0: Hey there, I'm Krista, your host for the Birding Tools podcast. Each week, I'll delve into the wonderful world of birds for birding beginners and those wanting to get the lowdown on what goes into bird watching and identifying birds. Let's get started. This week on the Birding Tools podcast, I'll be getting into the anatomy of your bird field guide, including what makes a great field guide and how it's organized. As I mentioned in episode 1, getting a bird field guide is one of the most important pieces of equipment you need to get started with bird watching. Field guides tell you all kinds of information, including what birds might be found in your particular area and what to look for when you're trying to identify a bird. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I've actually created a field guide map on our Birding Tools website with guide recommendations for countries and regions around the world. We're continuously adding to it, but if you're trying to figure out the best guide for you based on your region or even somewhere you're planning on traveling to, this map will be really useful for you. If there's a guide that you use that's been especially helpful and you don't see it on our list, feel free to reach out to me and I'll see about adding it on there. But you can find the map on our website at birdingtools.com forward slash guide map. So first, what is a field guide? This little book is jam-packed with tons of useful information about birds. It describes and shows pictures or drawings of birds, and it explains the five keys to bird identification for each bird listed in the book. And I'll get into that a little bit more in just a bit. The most popular bird field guide in North America was Roger Tory Peterson's The Birds of Eastern North America. Peterson paved the way for bird guides, and now there are a ton of different guides on the market, not only for North America, but even specific localities or ones that are state and uh, province specific. There are also specific guides available for certain groups of birds, such as hawks, gulls, shorebirds, and others that can be kind of a struggle to identify. At some point, you might even have different kinds of guides, but for you new birders out there, don't fret. You only need one comprehensive guide when you're starting out and choosing your first field guide. For those listening who already have a field guide, let me know which guide you have and why you're happy with it. Personally, I have the Sibley Guide to Birds of Western North America, and I really love it for a multitude of reasons I'll be getting into more here. So when you're selecting your first field guide, keep these two things in mind first make sure that the field guide is comprehensive for your area guides are often country or region specific so select a guide that covers that larger area this will be incredibly useful if you ever plan to travel to another state or province which may have different birds than are found in your immediate locale as i mentioned i have the Sibley guide to birds of western north america Now I'm in California, but I wouldn't seek out just a guide for birds in California as my first guide. Instead, I want something that will show me birds found in neighboring states or that might not always be found here, but could potentially make their way over to my area at different times of the year. Next, consider starting with a guide that has paintings or drawings of birds rather than photos. Now this might seem counterintuitive, but stick with me here. Drawings allow the artist to include all the distinguishing features of a bird, otherwise called field marks, that help to identify a bird in each illustration. Many times, photos don't show every one of these markings because of lighting, or the angle at which the bird is standing, or because of simple variations in plumage from bird to bird. Once you decide to get a family-specific guide, such as one just for hawks or just for waterfowl, photographic guides can then be really useful to study a bird's overall shape and behavior, such as flight or perching patterns. By the way, the crossley guides are incredibly useful photographic guides for this reason, and I really recommend them once you start to hone in on your bird identification a little further. Now, once you've received your field guide in the mail, do not, I repeat, do not immediately run off to look for birds. As exciting as it will be to have your new guide in your hands, trying to use your guide before you even know how it's organized will lead you down a path of serious frustration. And we don't want to do something that will put a damper on your overall birding experience, especially when you're just starting. So instead, grab a good cup of coffee or tea or kombucha or whatever you fancy and sit down with your field guide just to get comfortable with it set up. So this episode will be super helpful to you if you're looking at your field guide at the same time. And if you're driving or you don't have your field guide with you, that's totally fine. Just keep note of these things in your head to look out for when you actually have your field guide in hand. Read through the guide's introduction first. There's a ton of useful information in there about how the book is organized, how to identify birds, and what the terminology and colors mean on range maps of the bird, for example. Importantly, the introduction should also have a section on the anatomy of a bird. The bird's anatomy will be the names for the parts of a bird, including technical names for different kinds of feathers, for example, that you might find throughout the wing or along the head. And this is really important to look over as the description of each bird in your guide will use these different terms to describe the bird's features. So when you're going to your guide to reference it as you're looking to identify a bird, these particular Words and pieces of terminology are going to be used throughout that guide, and if you're not really sure what it's talking about, you're going to get lost in the process. I like to use the American robin as an example, since it's one of the most common birds found throughout North America. When you see the description of a robin, your guide will say they have rufous underwing coverts. Now, what the heck does that even mean? Well, the introduction of your guide will tell you all about colors and what the different color terminology means and what an underwing covert is, as well as other parts of the bird and the bird's wings. Honestly, I didn't take my own advice when I first got my first field guide. I was so excited that I thought, yes, now I can finally go out and watch birds. And I saw a bird when I went outside and I flipped to the middle of the guide And then i shuffled a couple of pages to the right a bit and didn't see anything similar to what i was seeing and then i shuffled the pages a couple pages to the left a little bit and didn't really see anything similar still and then i looked at the index in the back of the book and realized i had no idea what the official common name of the bird i was actually looking at in the field was and well i'm a patient person so i didn't throw my guide across the room in frustration but i've seen it happen and we don't want you to get discouraged just from the get-go This isn't meant to be a frustrating process. Burning is just like learning any new skill. I'm telling you, just the other day, my husband uh, tossed me three things to try and juggle because he juggles really well. He makes it look so easy. And needless to say, I failed miserably. I have never juggled before. There's technique, there's practice, and burning is no different than this from any other skill that you want to try and learn. Field guides, just like dictionaries, are ordered according to a very precise system. If you're looking up the word apple in the dictionary, knowing that dictionaries are ordered alphabetically, of course, you'd start the first part of the book, wouldn't you? Field guides are arranged taxonomically, or in phylogenetic order. This is the way that all living things are classified based on their evolutionary history. So birds that have similar physical appearances occur very close together in a field guide. Based on this, you'll always find, for example, ducks in the first quarter of your field guide and sparrows in the last quarter of your field guide. You'll never find ducks and sparrows on pages that are right next to each other in your field guide. And honestly, if you do, it might not be the right field guide for you. Now keep in mind that the individual birds you see in your guide are all different species. These species form groups called genera, which are then formed into a larger group called a family. The different species within one family are all more similar to each other than they are to species in other families. This will be especially important as you learn the overall size and shape of birds to help with identification, as the shape of birds in the duck family are very distinctly duck-like, and birds in the sparrow family are shaped very sparrow-like. Spend some time looking at the overall organization of these families within your field guide. Now listen up here, if you're multitasking, come back to me, because this is important. The first half of your field guide, approximately, will be non-passerine birds, or birds not considered perching birds. In that first half, the first quarter has families of water birds, and the second quarter has families of large land birds. Woodpeckers are often the delineator between the first two halves of a guide, as they're not passerines, and they lead into the flycatcher section, which are passerines. So use tags or sticky notes to mark these critical locations in your guide, especially this halfway mark to tell you that water birds and raptors and other large land birds are going to be to the left of that halfway mark, and finches, sparrows, thrushes, and all other quote perching birds are going to be to the right of that halfway mark. Next, use those sticky notes to look for and mark common species you already know and see often in your backyard or local park or nature trail. You can then use these birds you feel you can identify fairly well as a guide for learning the characteristics of other species in those same families. So once you feel like you know a robin pretty well, you can learn to identify thrushes a lot better based on overall shape, based on sounds, based on uh, behavioral characteristics. Okay, so what's all the information you see listed under each bird species? Well, that's all the identifying information you need to identify a bird. So those different characteristics are called the five keys to bird ID and include size and shape, color and pattern, behavior, such as flying behavior or perching behavior, habitat, including what kinds of places you're likely to see that bird, and the sounds that the bird makes. We actually have a freebie guide that details these five keys to bird identification that you can download from our website at birdingtools.com, and we'll be linking to that guide in the show notes. Together with this information, you'll see a distribution or range map of where in your region or country that bird will be found at what time of year. That's where the range key in the front of your field guide will come in handy, so you can recognize when a bird is located somewhere only in summer, or if it just migrates through, or if it's found there year round. There should also be a variety of images associated with that bird, including plumage variation between males and females, what a juvenile bird's plumage will look like, and examples of the bird, both perching and standing, and maybe in flight. As I mentioned earlier, having a guide that has drawings of birds instead of photos will better allow you to capture those field markings that sometimes distinguish between an adult and a juvenile or different molting plumages or even a subspecies of a particular bird. So I think I'm pretty well convinced you that having a physical bird guide in the form of a book is a good idea. But I'm often asked about phone apps as well. First off, I think having a phone app is a great idea because I know sometimes I'm out and about and I see a bird, but don't necessarily always have my field guide on me. I mean, hello, random field birds on the way to the grocery store, right? Having an app during this time is super useful. My favorite, especially for beginning birders, is the free Merlin Bird ID app by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. They have bird packs that you can download for various parts of the world, and they keep adding to it still. It's a super intuitive app and it's really well done. So I really recommend it, especially because it's free. However, when I'm actually out birding, I really like my physical field guide. For one, it's really nice to disconnect and get off the phone for a while, especially while birding. And for another, understanding the organization of a field guide Better helps you understand about bird taxonomy and families of birds that show similar species. Yes, the app does show, for example, other birds you could confuse a bird with. So if you tell it you think you see a northern cardinal, it will show you other red birds you might be confusing it with, such as a summer tanager. But there's so much value packed into a field guide, and you can learn so much from it about bird biology and ecology alone that it's well worth bringing along with you on your field trip. Having a small crossbody satchel can be convenient for pulling out your guide on the drop of a hat. I've also worked with plenty of people who swear by the birding vest because let's face it, all those pockets are super useful for carrying literally anything that you need in the field. But if you aren't a vest person, a satchel is a really good alternative. I honestly often just carry my bird book in hand and put it on the ground or between my knees when I'm actually looking at a bird and need both hands for my binoculars. So bottom line, get a field guide that works well for your region and really take the time to get acquainted with how it's organized because it will serve you so well if you take that time. So again, I've created a field guide map on our website with guide recommendations for countries and regions around the world. And if you don't see your region or country on there or you have questions about the guides that we've recommended, feel free to send me a message directly. I'm really happy to chat about it or find the perfect guide for you. And there you have it. Everything you need to select the right field guide for you, how your field guide is organized, and all the birdie goodness you're going to find within it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Birding Tools podcast, and I hope this material is helpful to you. To access information about the products and freebie I mentioned in the show and the show notes, visit our website at birdingtools.com. Next week, I'll be delving into the ins and outs of birding ethics, including how to reduce impacts on birds, the habitats on which they depend, and our fellow birders. Whether you've just started your birdwatching endeavors or you've been birding for years, this is a really important topic we should all continue striving toward. If you enjoyed this episode and want to get updates on the latest birding tools has to offer, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening now. See you next time.